welcome to Your Mac Life for Wednesday, March the 14th. Yes, 14th. I had to march or tomorrow for those of you who celebrate. I think our friend Lesh's birthday is tomorrow also. If it is, Lesh, happy birthday to you. We're joined, as always, by my lovely companion, wife, friend, co-host, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi. Why are you giving me those weird looks? That is so weird. Yeah, it was a really lame opening, wasn't it? That was it? so weird. I'll anyway, fi- moving on. I'll fix it in post. Um, <laughs> a bit muffled. I, 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 was it? Mo says it's a bit muffled. Oh, okay. Let's see what we can do about that. Uh, on tonight's show, as always, we talk to our good friend Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com about... Uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about because there's a concern here on this. Vi- uh, uh, Jim is in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico on a deserved vacation, but he's also been drinking since noon. So by the time we get to him at quarter to seven his time, God only knows what he's going to say. Hmm. So this could be a train wreck in 15 minutes. So hang on to your hats there, kids. We're going to talk about uh, has Siri lost its lead? There's a story in the information.com website uh, from... Apparently, a bunch of ex-Apple employees uh, who worked on Siri are telling tales out of school. We'll talk to Jim about his thoughts on that. We're also going to talk about NRA TV. No, 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 no. Don't get into that. What I'm talking about is, should Apple have banned NRA TV from the Apple TV app store setup? The interesting uh, problem for Apple uh, of not censorship so much, but should they allow these kinds of organizations? We'll talk to Jim about that and want to get your thoughts on it too. Send me emails to onair at yourmaclifeshow.com. And in our starting point for the segment, we're going to talk about aperture priority mode versus shutter priority mode. Yes, we've talked about it before, but it's always good to continue to talk about these things to remind you of what they are. <clears throat> So the big news, there's two pieces of big news here in the in the, the the King family compound. One is number one son is moving out tomorrow. Yes. And how do you feel about that? I'm uh, very happy and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy for his journey, next leg of his journey. It's good. It's time. And I'll miss him. I walked out into the living room just a few moments ago and number two son isn't playing on the Xbox, which is highly unusual. So I asked Melissa, is he sick? Is something wrong? And what did you say? I said he's outside. He's outside. It's still light out. Voluntarily. Did you send him outside? No. So he voluntarily went outside on his own, unbidden, unforced, just by himself. So he he, he literally put down the Xbox controller. He didn't have it. He just finished dinner. And decided to go outside. Mm-hmm. So he's sitting on the front step. No, he's down at the park playing with a friend. A friend? Mm-hmm. And who is this friend? His friend, Skylar. And what gender is Skylar? Skylar is a young woman. He, he's out on his first date. <laughs> I don't, well, he was pretty keen to get out the door. I have the, to, it is, exactly. Well, we had just been talking about that over dinner. And I said, where does Skylar live? And she lives just over here. And I yeah. said, oh, why don't you guys... And then suddenly she was phoning him and he went, oh, mom, my Skylar, I'm going to go. So, so, so a girl is phoning him. Yes. And you're not freaked out by this? No. I'm completely freaked out. I'm not ready for this. Oh, <laughs> Sean, they're only 12. Yeah. <laughs> Although she's probably much more mature than he is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is why you want. No, no, no. <laughs> He's good. I'm not written. And no. so it begins. Exactly. Mm-hmm. 
I haven't. I've only been with the kid for six months. I haven't even gotten into the the the, the baby stage yet. And, <laughs> and he's out meeting girls. I'm gonna have to answer some awkward freaking questions in uh, in some period of time. Oh no, I'm not ready for it. Oh, I don't think so. Oh, I think so. <laughs> I think he knows, kind of. He doesn't know everything, though. No, he doesn't. I don't, should he be hearing it from you? It's <laughs> a fair point. <laughs> I don't think so. I'm going to let you talk to your new stepfather, Sean King, to learn about the facts of life and how to deal with women. Well, no, not, okay. the, facts, not the facts of life. I, well, what? I, I firmly believe that uh, a school has taken care of some of that. You have taken care of some of that, I'm sure. And that's a, a facts of life conversation. I think we would definitely do it together. I have no problem doing that. Mm-hmm. But it's the one about girls. What, what, what sort of questions are you thinking? I remember when I was that age... Needing an adult, wanting an adult to explain girls to me. Not sex. No, no, no. Just girls. Dealing with girls. Yeah, those girls. Why do they get mad when I pull their hair? You know? (laughs) How do I hold their hand? Oh. Remember your first date? Mm, No. We don't really know. You tramp. (laughs) What? In Australia, girls remember their first encounters, let's just say. It's not really a date. Oh, you don't call them dates? No. Really? No, okay. no, no. No, it didn't grow up with the term. My, my, my first date was with Wendy Nicholson, a cute yes. little blonde-haired girl. Yes. And we went to... No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Oh, no. That's a different sorry, story. Sorry, Wendy, if you're listening. Uh, Penny Tyndall. Oh, sorry, Penny. Penny Tyndall. <laughs> um, we went to see a movie, uh-huh. Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. Oh, and um, Penny, on a regular basis, would beat the crap out of me. And did you like that? No. <laughs> I'd always come home going, Mom, why does Penny keep beating on me? And Mom was like, because she likes you. she likes well, you. that's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the funniest thing in the world was that Penny had, had cat's eyes glasses. She was skinny. She was tall. <clears throat> frizzy hair. <laughs> she wasn't attractive at all. She was a homely girl. And it wasn't until literally 20 years later, I'm visiting my mom. And mom said, oh, you know, guess who's coming over for a visit? Who? The Tyndalls. Oh, it's great. I love the Brian Tyndall, Mr. Tyndall, never called him Brian, was the guy who cured me of my stutter. I had a really bad stutter when I was a kid, and he cured me of the stutter. So I love Mr. Tyndall. Mrs. Tyndall, eh, not so much. Um, and, and, but mom said, and, and Penny's coming over too. And I'm like, oh, geez, Penny's going to come. And I'm, I immediately flip back to being 11 years old. She's going to hit me. Is she going to hit me? She's going to punch me. I don't want her to punch me. Mr. Tyndall comes in, give him a big hug. Mrs. Tyndall comes in, give give her a big hug. Penny comes in and we're like, Jesus, she was drop she dead gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, she was stunningly mm-hmm. beautiful. Oh, well, I saw the girls at the school today from Rory's class. They're gorgeous. They were little girls the last time I saw them. Yeah. Now they're taller than their mother. So yeah, this is beautiful. This is kind of freaking me out a little bit. I don't, I, I don't know why you're not freaking out. Just about this FYI, too. when it, the summer comes, he he is outside a lot more. It's those the winter. Yeah. That he, yeah. Um, I don't know other places that have this kind of issue. Uh, this is just the the stupid people of the day award. Um, here in British Columbia, March is Distracted Driving Awareness Month. And I mentioned on Twitter last week that some idiot in West Vancouver got caught twice in 15 minutes for distracted mm-hmm. driving. Mm-hmm. So, so what the cops do, because they're Canadian cops, they're, they're BC cops, they're, they're nice cops. Not really, but, but they do this. They put up a big sign that says police ahead, checking for distracted drivers. And this asshat gets pinched Yeah. for a $300 fine. He must have money. 
he goes literally 15 minutes later and gets pinched again. Mm. And now the fine's up to $800 because they, they escalate up to a maximum of $2,000. Mm. You dumbass. But yeah, that's part of the problem is that West Vancouver, for those folks who don't know, is the very, very, very rich area of Vancouver. It was most likely that the guy they pinched was in a Maserati and, and didn't give him a thousand bucks with nothing in his yeah. pocket change. That's why I love the, I think, Sweden. Sweden, your uh, speeding violations or your, your movie violations are a factor of your income. Mm. So the world's largest speeding ticket was given to a guy in Sweden for $125,000 mm. because mm. it's like 1% of your income. And he was a millionaire. Mm. Let make it hurt. Mm. That's the only way you're gonna stop these guys from doing this. If if five hundred bucks is pocket change, he's gonna keep doing it. Oh, so how many times if you get caught, do they take your license away? What are the what's the law around distracted driving? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know if you accrue enough I think well if you accrue enough points for anything, they take your license away. Mm, I bet so distracted driving, driving is... costs you points. Mm. So if you do it enough times in one year, yes, you'll get your license taken away. But they don't take it away just for the distracted driving. No, stuff. okay. But yeah, uh, yesterday was found that a driver in New Westminster is at over seven hundred bucks that are being ticketed for distracted driving twice in under ten minutes. Mm. Mm. What's it going to take to get these people to stop doing well, this? Well, the police must drive the police nuts because they do these campaigns and people just don't take any notice. They completely ignore. They do. It's not going to happen to me. I don't get distracted. Well, you know, I can answer my texts or whatever that's it. on the phone, you know, check Instagram no. while I'm driving. There was a study that uh, I read last year in New England. Uh, insurance Corporation did a study that found 80% of people think distracted driving is a real danger on the road. And yet 50% of people admitted to doing it. Mm. Mm, I know it's weird, isn't it? And the, the big issue for me... <clears throat> Is as a motorcyclist, I'm never going to get caught for distracted driving. No, but I see it all the time. Mm, you must because as a motorcyclist, you've got to be aware of what other people in other cars are doing. And there's hundreds of times when I pulled up alongside a car passing them on the highway and looked down, and the person is literally doing 100 kilometers an hour, 60 miles an hour, and looking down at his phone. Mm. And I wish it was legal for me as a motorcyclist to kick his car. Mm. I wouldn't do that because he'd run you off the road. But it's just mind-boggling to see how often it, it mm. happens. Yeah, people really believe it'll be okay. So oh, yeah. Just a just, second. Just, just second. Mm -hmm. And I've driven alongside people for four, five, six seconds. There's plenty of time for you to get in a freaking accident. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just so mm -hmm. incredibly dangerous. It's so scary for you. For me, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, well, I've often, said, I've often told people that I um, have had... In the 10 years I've been riding, 18 near accidents. So 18 times, if I hadn't done something, I would have been in, in an accident. And on every motorcycle accident, it's a severe accident. You know, you're you're going to get hurt. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd be willing to bet at least 10 of those were because of distracted drivers. People just drifting over lanes or not seeing me because they've been looking at their phone or whatever it might be. It's just... Mm. Uh, mm. Sean King is distracted driving on a motorcycle by looking down at a driver's cars. Not, yeah. le not legally, but I understand your point. Yeah, yes. Not, um, it's, it, I still don't believe that it's an issue that the people want Apple to solve this problem for us. I don't think that's a, it's a, it's a, it's Apple's job to do that. I wish there was some way we could solve the problem. Um, there really isn't a way for technology to solve the problem, at least not cheaply.
Um, one of the things I, I suggested was your car won't start unless you put your phone in a slot in the car. Yeah, that's what my friend Lance has always said. There should be some way that the car won't start if your phone is on or something. And when you plug the car, when you plug the phone into the slot, you still can use your phone, you yeah. still Siri, you yeah. still get directions, all that kind of stuff because mm-hmm. it's integrated into the car. Mm-hmm. But it's got to be a far far enough away that you can't reach it or see mm-hmm. it. But even my screen where I can uh, answer the phone or look for a number, that I, that's still distracting yeah, me. I'm absolutely. realizing, wow, this is – so it's the same thing. Every, so I'm hands-free, but – Everything in the car that stops you from doing this – Is distracting. Is a distraction. Yeah. And it's a, what levels of distraction, as uh, ArcSign says, people get distracted by fiddling with the radio. Mm-hmm. That's how my, my, mm-hmm. my baby brother died was in a car accident in Alberta because the driver was fiddling with the radio mm. and Chucky didn't have his seatbelt on. So we, the guy reached down to, to, and they're all drinking and driving. I mean, all the stupidity that young guys do. <clears throat> yeah. And so it's, it's definitely a danger. As drunk driving has gone down, for the most part, most of us are smart enough now to no longer do that. Mm. But we've replaced the drunk driving deaths with texting death with mm-hmm. distracted driving deaths mm-hmm. in any number of ways it's a real shame it's it's uh, frustrating uh, monty says i saw a woman on the interstate one morning going to work she had a newspaper open on the steering wheel in front of her she had a ripped wrist draped over the top of the steering wheel in between her thumb and his finger one hand she had a bottle of nail polish and oh the brush God. in the other hand she had a flip bone up to her ear being held by her shoulder and she had a cigarette in her mouth oh amazing absolutely amazing Later on on our starting point photography segment, we're going to be talking uh, to Melissa about aperture priority versus shutter priority. We're trying to get her off the scene modes and into the uh, aperture and shutter stuff. We'll talk about when, where, why, and how you'd use aperture priority versus shutter priority. Up next, though, we're going to talk to Jim Downerpool, who's in Puerto Vallarta. So i got to say big thanks to Jim for joining us here. You didn't have to, but he's going to be on talking about Series Squandered Lead, the NR- NRA TV, WWDC, and a whole bunch of other things. All that and more coming up. This is your Mac Life.
Welcome back, folks. Thank you guys very much for joining me here this Wednesday evening. On our phone now, we've got our good friend Jim Downpool of The Loop at loopinsight.com. Jim, how you doing? Well, you talked to me four hours ago, and I was doing really good. So. <laughs> you, you, can, you can guess how I'm doing right now. <laughs> oh, my God. Jim is in Puerto Vallarta on a much-needed, much-welcomed vacation, so thank you very much for taking time out from your obviously two-fisted drinking to talk to me tonight. I, I always take time out for you. I appreciate um, it. And my, my son is here as well, oh, good. which is yeah, it's very nice to see him. So, um, yeah, he's been two fisting uh, Long Island. Oh man! Yeah, I'm telling you, he's a stud. So, I mean, I, I I smelled one and said, ah. So just to be clear, um, Mo says Puerto Vallarta, little drinks with umbrellas in them, straw hat. Yeah, two or three uh, of those things are not are true. But uh, you ain't drinking little drinks with umbrellas, are you? I I am not. Oh, good. Thank I am God. Not. Can't stand those I, things. No, neither can I. I I have a lot of uh, a lot of Heineken. Exactly. That's right. Now, my, my question was: Did you check before you went to Mexico that the country had had enough Heineken? Oh hell yeah. Okay, good. Just want to make sure because I know how grumpy you get when you run out of Heineken. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You are yeah. you are not pleasant. Um, I am not. There was a uh, article that popped up on a website called The Information uh, earlier uh, or late yesterday. It's an interesting um, story that supposedly, I guess the, the only way to describe it is uh, Apple employees are, are, are spilling the beans on where they feel Siri should be and where they feel Siri is going. One of the comments was that uh, Siri is, has squandered its lead over Amazon and Google. What are your thoughts about this story? You know, it's interesting when you look at, at Siri um, the things that it can do, and I, I wrote a piece, I think, last week about um, how I find Siri to work better when we're limited in what we know that Siri can do. Mm. So the HomePod, for me, works really well. CarPlay works really well. Yeah. But I, I understand the limitations of what Siri can do under those circumstances. And when it comes to the iPhone... I don't know if there are any limitations, so I just ask Siri everything, yeah. and it can't do most of what I ask it to do. Yeah. So I find that frustrating. And when you look at, you know, what the inventor of Siri recently said, then you know, you, Apple has kind of changed direction of where they want Siri to go. And I, I have no experience with Amazon, no. but. I do have a limited, very limited experience with Google, uh, only because Google has an app for the iOS that I can ask it. And anytime, or for a while, anytime Siri couldn't answer a query for me, I asked Google, and more times than not, Google got it. Yeah. And so in that respect, you would have to say that the article, and some of these were very, you know, way out there things like somebody asked me one time, when did Zach Wilde join uh, Ozzy Osbourne's band? And I thought, you know what? That's a great question. Yeah. I don't know the year. So I asked Siri and Siri just, you know, she just blew up yep. on, on it. You know, had no idea what I was even talking about. Yep, absolutely. I, asked, I asked Google and Google brought up an article 
uh, it, it may have been Wikipedia, but also read the answer out to me out of that article yep. that, you know, Zach Wilde was this and that, and he joined Ozzy's band in, you know, whatever year, uh, which is exactly what I wanted from Siri. But Siri wasn't able to give me that answer. And that comes back to my original point of do we uh, do we see any limitations with Siri and are they real limitations or are they Siri limitations? Yeah. You know, so I don't think there's any doubt that Apple has certainly, I think, squandered maybe the, the wrong little too harsh for it. But it certainly does feel like they didn't do as much as they could with Siri as fast as they could. Now, I have no idea whether or not these stories from the information are true. You always have to take, take it with a grain of salt whenever ex-employees, especially ex-employees who have been fired by Apple, start uh, ta- telling tales out of school. You've got to read between the yeah. lines a lot for a lot of these things. But it's demonstrably true that Siri doesn't do as much with, with what you ask it as as you just pointed out, Google does or even Amazon Home does. Is that an embarrassment for Apple or just something they need to catch up on? Well, when when I look at at voice assistants, I I mean I like Siri. I really want Siri to work. Me too. I truly do. Yeah, I agree. You know, and and it disappoints me every time it doesn't work. Yep. Did Apple ever really have the lead when it came to uh, uh, virtual assistants? I don't know that they did, um, but it seems to me in just uh, my use that they may be, I don't know, I, I don't want to say falling behind, but um, I think the others may be working a bit harder in the everyday tasks yeah. they, that, that you ask a virtual assistant for. Now, if I ask Siri the weather, Siri will always get that correct. Yes. If I ask Siri what time it is, she will always get that correct. Yeah. But I, I wanted to go deeper than that. That's right. I want to ask Siri when did when did Zach Wilde join Ozzy's band? Yep. And for her to 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 just completely choke on that yep. is is annoying to me. Yep. Now, if I go to HomePod and say do this and that and all these other different things, Siri gets it every single time. But that's the limitation that I know that I'm working yep. within that that I can get Siri to do. So, I first I don't know that Siri ever had the lead. Mm-hmm. And and that they've squandered anything. Well, but, it's, it's Siri had the lead from the point of view. It was the first virtual assistant out there. It was the first one that people could use on their phones, right? Well, so that yeah, the, but, that's kind of the lead that people are talking about. The Apple was ahead of the game on all this stuff, and Siri came out before Alexa. It came out before Google Home, so therefore they had a lead. And these guys are saying they they've blown it. Well. I mean, they. I, I haven't used Siri in the home, you know, to do any of the home automation stuff. Yeah. Um, and so I, I can't really speak to that if if that's any good or not. Mosquito, but, Mosquito points out says that you have Jim's apparent acceptance of HomePod's series limitation doesn't always address the lack of Siri consistency across devices. That's something else I've noticed too. Is that sometimes Siri on the phone can answer questions that Siri on the HomePod can't and vice versa, which is very odd. And you're, you're exactly right. And, and, and Mosquito is exactly right. But what I'm saying is that 
since we know the limitations of Siri on uh, HomePod or CarPlay, like in CarPlay, I do one of three things. I get directions, I play music, or I send a, a text message yeah. using Siri. So those three things, Siri does exceptionally well mm-hmm. in CarPlay. But I don't ask it the same types of things that I would ask Siri on my iPhone. So when I when I ask Siri to do something in CarPlay or the HomePod, it recognizes and does exactly what I want it to do. Yeah. And that gives us a sense, a false sense maybe, but a sense that Siri is really good. But in those circumstances, it is really good. But when you go to the phone and start asking it things that, you know, expand what what we want Siri to do, that's when it starts, for me, it starts to break down. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how much of the response uh, this article gets. Already folks are popping up who were there at the time. For example, uh, Dag K, Dag Kitness says, um, in response to one of the Siri um, vice presidents, said that Siri was a disaster, was riddled with serious bugs. Those problems lie entirely with the original Siri team. The response from the co-founder and CEO of Siri that was acquired by Apple, says this statement is wholly false, was made by the architect and head of the biggest launch disaster in Apple history, Apple Maps. In reality, Siri worked great at launch, but like any new platform under unexpectedly massive load, required scaling adjustments in 24-hour workdays. So it's interesting to see folks jumping up and fighting back over this. I think we'll see more of that in the rest of this week. Well, uh, yeah. I, I don't disagree with you there at all. And the fact that uh, the, what Siri was supposed to be from the original uh, founders and the original app is not what Siri is now. Yeah. So, you know, Apple has changed what what Siri is supposed to do for us. Yeah. But I think part of the problem, it, it's not, I'm not, I'm not trying to blame us as users, but I think part of the problem is that we don't actually know what Siri is supposed to do for mm, us. Yeah. You know, if that makes sense. So if you look at, again, I keep going back to this, but if you look at HomePod, we know exactly what Siri is supposed to do for us, and Siri works flawlessly in doing that. But on the iPhone, I, I have no idea what the limitations are for Siri. So if I ask it a question and it can't answer it, and then I ask it a question and it can't answer it, and I ask it to do something and can't do it, and then I just get frustrated and say, okay, set a timer for five minutes, you know, and it can do that. Yeah. And and that's really what Siri is relegated to on my watch and my my phone is set a timer for 10 minutes, you know. And then I go check to see if the macaroni is cooked. <laughs> exactly. Let's move on. Eddie Q explains why Apple won't remove NRA TV. At South by Southwest this past week, Eddie Q was up on stage talking about the Apple TV and he was forced is the wrong word, but he was kind of had to defend Apple's reasoning for <coughs> keeping NRA TV on the Apple TV. Now, uh, John Oliver took a shot at NRA TV on his show last week, and that's what brought what? That, that's what brought this on. What are your thoughts about whether or not Apple should keep or remove NRA uh, TV? You know, being from from Canada, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, 
I honestly don't understand the need for uh, semi-automatic assault weapons. I honestly don't. Yep. Um, but the U.S. is 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 not my my country, so I I understand that there's a big there, there's there's a disconnect uh, between a lot of people and a lot of organizations in the U.S. and that's something that they have to work out. And there's also this this feeling that in the U.S. where everybody deserves their platform to be able to speak. Yep. And 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 that's a huge thing too. If Apple gets rid of NRA TV then are they imposing unnecessary limits on the speech that the NRA has a right to do? I I don't know the answer to yeah, that. Yeah, but hang on, hang on. And let me play devil's advocate here. Yes, NRA has the right to free speech, but they don't have the right to free speech on the Apple TV. That's completely up to Apple. No, no, I get that. I get that. But what I'm saying is that if Apple blocks them... <laughs> then where does that stop? You know, well, I mean, if Apple decides it doesn't like something else, do they kick them off too? Well, they have. I mean, there, I mean, there, there is no Playboy TV because Apple doesn't allow it. There is no gun selling on the Apple TV because Apple doesn't allow it. So Apple does no. do a lot of this sort of... Uh, uh, they, I, I think what you could classify Apple as doing right now is curating. I think that's... Yes what apple is doing yes. is curating i think what you're what you're asking about with nra tv and maybe some others it goes a step beyond curating yeah i but agree the answer to this is i know you know what i'm saying yep I, I, mean, I, I i understand your point and i, I agree with it to a certain extent i don't think apple um i think apple's in between a rock and a hard place in this one in that that I've watched NRA TV and a lot of it is just stupid. It's just not well done. Whether my feelings right. about guns are, are pro or con, a lot of it is just bad TV, but none of it qualifies as stepping over that line into what Apple could honestly say is hate speech. That Apple can honestly say, you know, this is harmful to the community. Yes, selling guns can be argued that it is, but this is a legal activity. This is a legal organization. And one of the problems that we have, and it's a good problem that we have here in the West, it's more so in the U.S. because they have freedom of speech baked into their constitution, is that if you are a defender of free speech, you must defend it even when it's speech you don't like. Right. Yeah, and I, I absolutely. I'm, I'm like you. I'm Canadian. I, I think the NRA NRA should be classified as a terrorist organization. But until it is, it's a legal entity that can do yeah. legal things. And Apple really can't and doesn't want to get into that level of curation. It's easy to curate Playboy TV. It's easy to curate and say, well, that's boobs. So, you know, you can't show boobs. It's silly, but it's more understandable than trying to block NRA TV. Well, I I think your point, and I've heard it uh, elsewhere. Uh, you know, your your free speech is is great, but that means that people, even though you don't agree with them, have the right to speak. Exactly. And you know, Apple is in a tough position. They really are. I I, 
I, and so is, uh, to be clear, uh, YouTube and, oh, sure. you know, uh, everybody that's involved in this is in, in a tough position right yep. now. And, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's very unfortunate that any company has to deal with what's happening right now because the underlying uh, cause of this is very sad. Yes. So, but yet here we are. Let's move on. Uh, also at South by Southwest, Apple announced they're acquiring digital magazine service Texture. I thought this was a really interesting story from Apple. Do you get a sense of what Apple might be doing with the service at some point in the future? I, you know what? I honestly don't. And I, I saw a tweet from uh, a writer that I know, and he he said, I hope Apple doesn't expect small publishers to try and come on board with whatever uh, <laughs> with whatever sham they're trying to, to pull this time. Yeah. And you know what? I I agree with him. I do agree with him. Small publishers got um, burnt by Apple last time around, and I don't think any of them are going to be bothered trying to get involved in Apple uh, TV magazine subscriptions in the future. I don't think there's a chance in well, hell of that. There, there is no chance in hell. But what may be even uh, uh, more is that I don't think Apple cares about small publishers. You know, nope, let's let's be honest. Yep. The, the 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 magazines that are in texture are not the small publishers. That's right. And and I don't suspect that Apple really gives two hoots at all about um, the fact that small publishers may or may not care about texture. They could care less because that's not who this is for. And I, cert I, I, I having said that, I certainly hope Apple doesn't come out and say, yeah, we're we're doing this for uh, the big publishers and small publishers. No. Well, you, you know what? No. Yeah. We've yeah. been burned before. That's right. I got burned. Yep. I got burned bad. You did. Apple burned me bad. And, you know, if that's what they expect, then, wow, they're barking up the wrong tree. But even let's let's say that's, that's in fact true, that Apple is not interested in going uh, getting small publishers. Why would Apple even be bothered? For the most part, these are, if not already dead tree editions of magazines. They are companies that used to be dead tree. I saw Macworld is listed on them. At one point, why would Apple even want to help these guys out? The argument is, and I think it's a very easy argument to make, that these kinds of magazines aren't long for this world. That they're going to be gone yeah. very, very soon. So this feels like Apple getting involved in dead technology. And that's what I don't understand. Yep. But remember that Apple always buys technology for a reason yes. so if it's not a per if it's not a person or people like uh apple or like beats was yep. then they bought that for the for the people Absolutely. not for the headphones that's right so if it's not the people it's the technology and we've seen apple buy companies before mm -hmm. and the technology gets rolled in so in this instance i have to think it's the technology because I, the people, I, do you know anybody that works for, for Texture that's a huge get? You mean uh, magazine-wise? Oh, oh, you mean people-wise? No, I mean, oh, God, no. Uh, 
People-wise, no. no. no I, There's nobody that I know there that's a huge get. When, when, when Texture first came out, I, I interviewed the uh, the CEO of it. This was a few years ago, and it was called Next. And it really felt to me, even I think maybe five years ago when I first did the interview, that this was cool technology that was 10 years too late. Because yeah. 10 yeah, years ago, 15 years ago, I read a lot of magazines. I probably got 30 to 40 magazines mailed to my house every single week or every single month. <clears throat> and they would go on the coffee table. And while I was sitting down watching TV, I'd pick the magazine up and i read them. I love doing it. Love the feel of magazines. Yep. Macworld and Time and Motorcyclist and all the magazines I'd get. I haven't picked up and read a magazine in any shape or form, whether it be digital or um, physical, probably in five years. Well, and I remember even I, I, you are the person that reads the most of anybody that I know. Yep. And I remember coming to you years ago when you were you were giving up uh, the magazines. And I think it was even well when you started subscribing to newsletters. Yes. Yes. And you had so many newsletters subscribed. And and I asked you. Which ones do you like? Because I'm going to subscribe to a couple and see. And you're the one that gave me all of these ones that, oh, you got to subscribe to this one. Yep. And you got to do this one. I read this one all the time. And you were still reading magazines, but you were coming down off of magazines at that point. So, you know, even for you to say that, um, it, it just it, it's more to the point of this has to be something more yes. than um, than digital magazine subscriptions. It's got to be the technology. And as the uh, guys in the chat room are pointing out, uh, you can get free magazines from your local library. ArcSign says my library, the Los Angeles County, Pub County Public Library, already gives me free access to nearly 100 magazines via a bigger magazine app, the Zinio app. <clears throat> that also came out around the same time, if not sooner, yep. than the, the previous. I, I remember. App. I remember I was at Macworld when that happened. One of the issues that I had with the Next app was the inconsistent user interface that you would subscribe to whatever number of magazines that you wanted. The price was good, 10 bucks for 2,000 magazines. You'd pick and choose, and I probably had 50 when I first started doing it. But it seemed like every single magazine had a different way of accessing it. They had, had a different... Some of them were just PDFs of the the print magazine. A lot of them. You, you, oh my God, that sucked! Oh no, kidding! It was just awful. And when you and when you expanded them into the size of the iPad, they got all blurry and crappy. Maybe yeah. Apple can fix that issue. I'm sure they can. I'm sure that Apple's going to give the oh, the, the, the publishers the, an SDK to say, "Here's how to do your magazine." But it's not going to matter that's, if that's what they've got. I just pack it in now. Yeah, I agree. I agree. If, if that's what they've got, pack it in. Yeah. Just be done with it. Close it down. As a service, the way it but stands no, now. I, I, go ahead. If you look at, at technology for uh, for what the technology is and a subscription service and the way that Texture has um, uh, built itself out, take that and figure, well, can you use that for apps or can you use that for uh, music maybe the, the technology is not necessarily for magazine subscription yeah that's what i'm trying to say that if they bought the technology there's something in there that they really like and it maybe it's maybe it's not magazines yeah. maybe that technology is for 
something completely different. Maybe that subscription technology is for Apple's TV service. Mm-hmm. Yep. Maybe it's for, you know, something that, that, you know, we're looking at it while they bought a magazine company. Maybe Apple doesn't look at it like that. Maybe Apple looks at it and says, we bought um, uh, uh, the best subscription back end that we could find. Yep. And now we're going to launch this on Apple TV or we're going to launch this on um, uh, the iPhone and with the app store or, you know, I mean, that's, that really, that's where a lot of this could go. So by focusing on the magazine part of it, I think that we're probably missing the whole point. Which is so typical of not only, I'll be the first one to admit it myself, but also the tech media in general. Apple loves that, that Wayne Gretzky saying of, of a skate where the puck's going to be, not where it is. Uh, Eddie right. Q was asked at South by Southwest, was 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 uh, Apple going to buy Disney or Netflix? And while he didn't answer the question directly, he said Apple doesn't make big acquisitions like that. Those are, for them, old school companies. Apple is not going to buy Disney. They're not going to buy Tesla. They're not going to buy Netflix. Those companies are huge acquisitions that they wouldn't bother with. They buy smaller companies and integrate the technology or the people into things they already have, which makes this really interesting is – how were they going to do that? I, it's not going to be next the way you see it now, I don't believe. Right. And if you look at uh, Netflix or you look at uh, – and I love Netflix. I'll, I'll be honest. You look at Disney. Um, he's right. Eddie's right. Those are old-time uh, companies. Yep. And if Apple is buying – and I, I'm making an assumption here. I don't know. But if Apple is buying texture because of an underlying technology, then you have to think Apple's thinking two to three years out. Yes. You know, there's something that they want texture for. Yeah. And if if all it is is the magazines, then, I, I mean, Apple's not that stupid. Yeah, they know that's, that's dying. So there's something else there. Let's uh, wrap up with this uh, last story from uh, an interesting story, but I I think there's privacy concerns here. Apple Watch can earn you money from just walking. It was announced last week that United Healthcare is integrating the Apple Watch into its wellness incentive program, which lets members earn money if they meet daily walking goals. Nowhere in this article did I find out any information about how those goals are being met and how is United Healthcare finding out whether or not you've met the goals or not and what are the penalties and, and advantages of meeting or not meeting these goals. So this kind of this kind of thing seems to be getting more and more popular. Is this worrisome to you from a privacy point of view that your healthcare company can maybe track you? You know you know what this made me think of uh, when, when I saw it is uh, the insurance companies that get you to stick uh, uh, one of those fobs in your car, yep, yep. and they can t- tell how fast you're going. Exactly, and you can save money. My- no, that's right. <laughs> no, that's right. Because my insurance would be like thirty thousand dollars a month. <laughs> no, yeah. And you can you can make money by uh, giving United Healthcare. No, no. Yep. Sorry. It says uh, it gives people access to activity trackers that then allow them to earn up to $1,000 a year if they meet daily walking goals. That's not enough money in my mind to give up that level of privacy. Of 
the tracking data. Yes, United Healthcare says, no, we won't use it for this. But what if they get hacked? What if the bad guys find out? Now, okay, the bad guys just found out where you walked. But that's not the point. The point is giving up this level of privacy, giving up this level of data, I don't think it's worth it for just a thousand bucks or just an Apple Watch. No, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, when, when I saw this insurance company thing and, you know, oh, now we'll know how fast you're going yeah. and we'll know if you've been in an accident, we'll know every, no, absolutely not. No, I haven't been in an accident and I haven't been caught for speeding. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think part of the problem I have with this is this is the the disingenuous nature of a lot of the reporting on this, and even the comments from United Healthcare CEO of the company Steve Nelson said United Healthcare Motion is part of our consumer focused strategy that is driving toward a simple, integrated, mobile centric ecosystem that delivers value to consumers. Shut the hell up! They're yeah. doing this to make their employees healthier. Make being the key word. Force them to be healthier. So you have to pay less money in insurance claims. That's what this is all about. Of course. They don't actually care about their customers as human beings. They care about them as money sucking, grubbing bastards who are going to make claims on them. Right. And so I say again, no, yeah, not a chance. Not, I have my own Apple watch (laughs) and you're not getting any of the data on there. None of it. Folks have been talking to Jim down of the loop, surprisingly sober ish. Jim Dalrymple from Puerto Vallarta, thank you very much, buddy, for doing this. Also, such a late you know, Wednesday night. Thank you, Sean. Uh, talk to you soon, buddy. See ya. See ya. I really do appreciate Jim doing this on a on. A, I, you know what? I don't know if I I don't know if I would have done it. I'm sitting on a beach in Puerto Vallarta, Puerto Vallarta, and some guy wants to talk to me. I I don't know if I'd do it. Uh, if you have any comments about anything that uh, we've talked about here on this segment with Jim, send me an email to uh, Sean at yourmaclifeshow.com or um, on air at yourmaclifeshow.com. Happy to listen to or read your guys' emails. Mosquito says, I don't know that I'd be that articulate after all that booze. I talked in this afternoon. We did a uh, we did a test of uh, FaceTime to see if it was going to work, and he'd already been drinking since 9 o'clock. So, <laughs> so he's probably pretty well lit by the time uh, – by the time he uh, he gets uh, he gets on the on, on the show tonight, so I, again I thank you very much for uh, being here. Hello, hi. How are you? Hang on, let me turn your microphone up. There you go. How are you? Good. Um, let's do a couple of housekeeping ho- housekeeping stories. This is kind of a weird story. Um, a startup is pitching a mind uploading service that's one hundred percent fatal. Mind uploading. Nectome so. will preserve your brain, but you have to be euthanized first. Oh. So you would use it under what circumstances? Like if you had a terminal illness or something? Exactly. See, this is how I know she's smarter than me. <laughs> because I didn't think about that when I first read the story. I thought, that's just fucking stupid. That's just idiotic. But as I read the story, that's exactly what they're targeting this towards. Uh, the idea is that someday in the future, scientists will scan your brick brain and turn it into a computer. Sorry. Um, Nectome is a preserve your brain and upload a company. Its chemical solution can keep a body intact for hundreds of years, maybe thousands, as a statue of frozen glass. The idea is that someday in the future, scientists will scan your brick brain and turn it into a computer simulation. Now, that's not cryogenics where they thaw you out and your body then wanders around, mm. this is an idea of they will literally t- 
take your neurons and that kind of stuff and put it into a computer. Mm. And maybe in the future, you're going to be able to download those neurons, those neuron pathways into a new body. I was like, no, that's just dumb. I'm not doing that. But um, the company has consulted with lawyers, which permits, uh, familiar with California's two-year-old end-of-life option act, which permits doctor-assisted suicide for terminal patients and believes its services will be legal. So that's the idea. That's who they're targeting this to. Mm -hmm. Those Mm -hmm. folks who have terminal illnesses who are going to die anyway, Mm -hmm. that they would use this service Mm -hmm. and then have this stuff up. Because... It's not going to matter. If mm-hmm. it doesn't work, you're still dead. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if it might work, why not? Yeah. So I completely changed my mind on this from the headline to reading the story. And that was actually very, very interesting. Would you do it? Mm. Is it kind of like organ donation? You could think of it that way. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm could, not sure. You know, you're really? You're not sure? Mm-mm. Why not? Oh, I lots of reasons just around... Yeah, lots of reasons. You think they're stealing your soul? No, oh my God, no. <laughs> this was a disturbing tweet. This has been going on now for probably a month. Um, this is from Brandeis University down in the States. Brandeis supports students' rights. It's talking about the uh, National Walkout Day of the students today. Brandeis supports students' rights to stand up for their beliefs. Those who participate in peaceful protest will not jeopardize their admission to Brandeis. Speak up, speak out, student-organized National Walkout Day. This sounds like a great idea, mm. except this should never have to have been said. No. I cannot believe that in the United States of America, where your constitution says that you have the freedom of free assembly to petition your government for, for grievances, that anybody would think that these kids who are doing peaceful protests, mm-hmm. walking out of school and protesting as they are legally constitutionally mm-hmm. allowed to do, mm-hmm. That would jeopardize their university? I don't think it would, really. I don't know how a school could indicate that on any transcript or anything uh, legally. What would they say? Participated in a walkout for 17 minutes? But And then what, I said to you well, today... Well, what's going to happen is this, is, is, is the issue is that um, the school, rightfully but wrongly, can say, put this on your permanent record. You walked out of school. You you left the school grounds. You ditched class. They can put that on the school on the kid's record, and then when the kid sends his records off to Brandeis or UCLA or whatever it might be, that's when the university would find out that the kid ditched school mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And so the concern is that the kid would then not be allowed to apply or accept or go to these universities. Well, my comment on that was, why would they want to go to that university if that university would say to them, you can't come here because you protested? And you wouldn't want to go to that university. That's a a great point. If if some university did say that, we we saw uh, earlier today a a tweet from one of the kids who said that the, um, the school wouldn't let them come back. And that they were going to punish them in in whatever way for doing this, which I think is within the rights of the school because it does say that you can't ditch classes. I get that. But as I said on Twitter, they're on the wrong side of history in this one. Yeah, this is one of those things where you've got to say, if these kids want to walk out of school, 
let them. Mm-hmm. And lots of kids didn't, too, mm-hmm. to be perfectly and clear. Fine. And that's, that's absolutely okay. fine, too. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't disruptive. They just got up and walked out. Mm-hmm. No one, as far as I can I know and have heard, no one held signs as they're walking into the class. My teacher's not mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. They walked out. They peacefully protested. And X percentage of them, maybe not all of them, came back to finish their, their school day. Yes. How you could... Especially given the reason why they're doing this. These kids aren't walking to school so they can get a closer McDonald's to the school. They're not walking to the school so they can get, so they can get beer at prom. It was just for, it was less than half an hour, correct? They're walking out of school to protest the fact that they can be shot and killed in their school. Yes. You can't punish those kids for that. That's batshit insane mm-hmm. to punish those kids for rightfully protesting their fear. I'm not making it a graduation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And part of a school's mandate as well is to make sure that things that would interfere with a child's learning and participation would be addressed. And this is interfering with their learning because they're in fear. So it's, you know, they're not, if it's part of their mandate to say they're not allowed to skip classes, it doesn't make any sense. They're hypocrites. And hopefully that the, 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 they'll rethink this and, and not uh, not uh, go forward with this. We heard this last night. Sad news. Stephen Hawking, uh, the physicist, uh, passed away at 76, which is utterly amazing A for anyone to make it to 76, but for this guy to make it to 76. Oh, I can't believe he made it to 76. Almost 50 years in that chair, almost mm-hmm. 50 years with debilitating Lou Gehrig disease. Mm-hmm. Twice as long as the best estimates of someone surviving with mm-hmm, this disease for, mm-hmm. for that long. Yeah, I've seen people it, with it and have deteriorated rapidly. Exactly. That's one of the things people don't realize. It's a very fast disease. It is. It's within, usually within five to ten years you're dead. It is. It's not like MS. That's right. Where yeah. you can function and, and – but amyotropic lateral sclerosis. Thank you. Often called Lou Gehrig's disease. Yeah. Um, yeah, it hits hard, it hits fast, and you're done. Yeah, you're except debi- your brain. You're, yeah, which is which is the worst part about it. It's st- your brain stays perfectly as it was. Always. But your body completely gives up on you, which has got to be the most awful feeling oh in the my world. God. But he didn't just survive; he thrived. He, without a doubt, is one of the top two scientists ever. Him and Einstein. That's it. There's no, no, in one and two, maybe Newton. Okay. Let's say it's a tie, you know, three of those guys, Mm. but he had the biggest brain in our lifetimes. Mm. He was the smartest man anyone had seen on TV or heard of or anything else like that in our lifetimes. Mm. He had, and he was wonderfully, I say this wonderfully in the wrong way, wonderfully human as well. Mm. He had his faults. He had his marital issues. Um, he wasn't a saint. Which I think is kind of cool. As much as I hate infidelity, he was still a human being, mm-hmm. and he, he proved that. But he wasn't just a, a, a big brain in a chair. Mm-hmm. He was also a man who had wants and needs and desires. Of course, and he expressed those. He expressed them incorrectly, in my opinion. But that that that's just me. But and his appearances on TV shows was was always funny. Now, granted, a lot of those were scripted because that's the nature of TV. It's also the nature of his his uh, chair. Um, I think the saddest part though, for me was all the tweets of people saying things like he's, he's free of his chair now. Yeah, he is, 
but he had to die to do it. And how does that make other folks feel, People, other people who are in wheelchairs feel about that? Yeah, exactly. When you say they're only free when they're no longer in their chair, or that chair is somehow, uh, yes, it's holding them back, but they wouldn't want you to think that it's holding them back. You understand what I'm saying? I do, I do. So I think that was a little, I understand the, the, the sentiment behind it, but I think it was a little off-putting for, for me personally to describe it in that particular way mm-hmm. of uh, he's free of his chair. Mm-hmm. It's like when Martin Luther King died, people said, free at last, free at last. No, he's not free. He's fucking dead. That's mm-hmm. not the kind of freedom he'd choose. Yeah. I guarantee you that, that uh, Hawking wouldn't have chosen this kind of freedom over the freedom he had on Monday, which was to be alive. Mm-hmm. So it's not really them. As Mosquito says, that's not free. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Monty says, if I were in Hawking's position, I'm fairly certain I would have tapped out long, long ago. I couldn't put up with being trapped in my body, having to burden other people to take care of me physically. I wonder how much of it was that he knew what he knew. In the sense that he knew he had something to offer the world. His big brain. And yes, his body was going to give up on him but he was going to fight through that in order to express his brain. Mm-hmm. For me, yeah, I'd have given up a long time because I don't have anything in my brain that says, no, I must stick around in order to give myself to the world. I don't think he thought that big or that pompous, but you understand what I'm saying? That he knew he had a mission in life through science and through physics. There were these problems that he wanted to solve. There was these things that he wanted to think about. And that would have kept him going even as his body deteriorated. Yeah, he had lots of stimulation. He was was internally very stimulated, wasn't he? So incredibly intelligent. But, you know, he's one of those guys, you can definitely say he had a long, long life, much longer than even he expected. I read a quote from him today that said, uh, you know, 49 years. I got 49 oh. more years than I should have gotten. Yeah, wow. So uh, good for him mm-hmm. for, for seeing it that way. I don't know if I could have. In our starting point for every segment on tonight's show, we're going to talk about aperture priority versus shutter priority. There's two. There's a, uh, for you folks who have DSLRs, <clears throat> there's a dial on the top of your camera. And it's going to say A, if you have an Olympus or a Nikon, or AV, if you have a Canon. Olympus and Nikon will be S, or oddly TV on Canons. What those stand for is aperture priority and shutter priority. And one of the things that Melissa's been trying to do as she goes out shooting is, as I've told her, find something to focus on. Think about a certain thing. But not just a thing to shoot, but a way of shooting on the camera. One of the things I tell beginning photographers is learn what your scene modes are and shoot to those scene modes. So if you've got a landscape scene mode on your camera, switch it to the landscape scene mode and shoot landscape stuff. If you've got a portrait mode, you do. Go out and shoot. Put your camera into the portrait mode and shoot portraits. But you ask a great question of what if I'm in portrait mode but want to see a pretty landscape or vice versa. And there's two answers to that. And one of them is, if you know you, and why did you say that was frustrating to you? What that? What if I was in a trying certain to switch mode? back and forth? Well, because I, I said to you um, today, you know, there's those moments, especially when you're with a kid, where you go, "Wow, you just that looks great. I'd love to take a picture of him right now." And you go, "Oh shit, yeah, but I'm still in landscape mode." Yeah, yeah. So one of the things you can do: shoot in landscape mode. Mm, okay. It, 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 
It'll make a minute difference, but for the most part, for the, for a beginner, it's not going to make a big difference. Okay. So if you're in portrait mode and you see a beautiful landscape, take a landscape shot. Okay. Vice versa. Don't worry about that so much. Hmm. The other thing that you can do to fix that issue is, thing I harp about all the time, learn the camera. You should be able to switch your modes in about three seconds. You should know where those buttons are. You should know how to switch to the mode screen on the back and then know if I flip this dial this way, I'll get to the, the landscape or portrait mode. Because most of your shots can be one or the other. Right? Most of the shots for you are going to be this beautiful landscape we live in or pictures of me or Rory or other things, things like that. Yes. So know what those do. And I can pick your camera up and I know I can switch it to scene mode. There is in scene mode. I can go scene mode, there's sport, and now it's on landscape mode. Mm-hmm. So it was that, and now I can take that picture that mm-hmm. I saw. Yeah. Using the scene modes, as I've always told people, is like using uh, training wheels on a bicycle. You're not going to go very fast. You can't turn real hard, but at least it gets you upright. It gets you up on two wheels. What you want to do is get off the training wheels. You want to get off the scene mode. And one of the ways of doing that is by shooting an aperture priority mode or shutter priority mode. As you said before, <clears throat> when you're when you put your camera in the aperture priority mode, you're telling the camera, I'm going to control this aspect of the camera. You figure everything else out. So you're telling the camera, I'm going to control how wide the aperture opens up, what the f-stop is. I'm going to change the f-stop. I'm going to make it great big or really, really tiny. That's going to be my choice. You, Mr. Camera, figure out all the rest of the stuff. So the camera sees that aperture priority mode and goes, oh, okay, she's going to shoot aperture priority mode. Not a problem. You flip it to F11 or F2 or whatever it might be, and the camera goes, ah, okay. So she's at F11. I'll change the shutter speed to this. I'll change the ISO to this. I'll change the exposure to this. I'll make all these changes, but I'm not touching aperture. And if you know what aperture does... And you keep an eye on on the display on your camera. We see in the on the back of the camera the, the all those flashing buttons on the bottom. You keep an eye on that stuff. You can start getting good exposures on your photos. Aperture is, I think. Do, do you know what aperture is? Just to make sure. The uh, yes, it's well, it's it's the the amount of opening that you have. Measured and by, went, oh, measured by f stops. Exactly, f stop is a yeah. measurement of aperture. Yes, but what aperture does to your photographs is another thing. You have to also understand what increasing or decreasing the size of that hole does to your photograph. So a very very low aperture number f one is a is a low aperture number mm-hmm. means you're going to have very little in focus. Of whatever you is it depth of point, field depth of field exactly right so if with an aperture whatever your aperture is things behind it and in front of it will be out of focus mm-hmm. to whatever degree your aperture is mm-hmm. so if your f stop is one it means a big big opening mm-hmm. but it means very very little depth of field you can actually get aperture that is if I if I'm shooting a portrait of somebody and if my aperture is say one and I put it on their nose their eyes will be out of focus mm-hmm. so everything behind the thing I'm pointing at to a certain depth will be out of focus. Everything in front of it will be out of focus too. 
I've got this, an example when you would do that? I've got this great shot. I should have I, I dug it up to show you guys of a snake head coming straight on. And the photographer um, put the focus point on the eye of the, of the snake's head. And it was at f-stop, I think it was 1.2 or 1.4. And the snake's nose was out of focus and his body was out of focus, but his eye was perfectly in focus. That's how small the depth of field is at aperture F1. And as you increase the aperture number, F2, F3, F4, your depth of field gets bigger too. When in doubt, shoot at F8 and F11. Those are called the fire and forget aperture. Those are the ones you're going to get a good shot regardless. But the way I tell students is, remember, I always tell you to focus on, think about what you're shooting and focus on what you're shooting. And know what you're going to shoot before you push the button. Visualize the shot. So if what you're looking at, if there's one thing, make your aperture as close to one as you can. Hmm. If there's 22 things, make your aperture as close to 22 as you can. So if I'm just shooting someone's face, I'll make my aperture F4, F3, F4. No lens is as good as they say at either end of its aperture range. So at F1 or F36. So I never use the absolute lowest aperture on any one of my lenses. I never use the absolute highest aperture on any of my lenses either. I just do it one stop back. So say I've got a, a lens that's uh, f2.8 is the lowest aperture it'll go. I'll make it f3.4, whatever it might be, and shoot that for a portrait. Because there's one person, so I get it to the lowest number I can, and in this case it's three, and I take the picture. If I'm in a group shot and there's ten people, Make your aperture as close to 10 as you can get it, F11. If I'm shooting a whole field of flowers and there's 100 things, make your aperture as close to 100 as you can and take the shot. So that way you'll see the focus. The higher the F number, the more things in focus, front to back of the focus point and across your shot. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Mm Mm-hmm. The other thing you have to remember, though, is because aperture, the f-stop is a measure of the size of the hole, and it's an inverse number. So f1 is very wide, f22 is very, very small. Well, if the hole is very, very small, what happens? There's less light. Exactly. So you want to increase your shutter speed. No, you want to decrease your shutter speed. Exactly. Or shoot in bright light. So if I'm shooting you outside in a bright, sunny day, I don't know where we're with shutter speed. There's plenty of light. Not, not a problem. But I thought the camera was going to take care of it. It, it will. It will. Mm. But if it's a cloudy day and or maybe you're in shade or even at night, and I, I want to get a really close shot. I want to get an F3 shot of, or sorry, F. I want, uh, there's, uh, we're shooting um, uh, a bunch of things, shooting me, you, Rory, Damon, four, five, six people. So I want the F-stop to be six, seven, eight. But we're in a dark room. The camera will slow down your shutter speed to get the right exposure, but it'll be too slow. Oh. That's why you keep an eye on the numbers on the back when right. they start mm-hmm. flashing. Which, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, you can't handhold your shot at less than maybe one one hundredth of a second. Mm-hmm. So even though you're setting the aperture, you still got to keep an eye on the shutter speed to make sure the camera doesn't set it so low that you're just going to get a blurry picture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Aperture is also used for things that aren't moving. If the thing you want to shoot is moving, then you'd go to shutter priority mode. 
because shutter aperture controls depth of field, shutter controls movement. So if things are moving, you're shooting water, you're shooting kids running around, you're shooting horses on a racetrack, you're shooting cars, then it's best to go to shutter priority to capture that motion. The problem with aperture priority is you're aiming at a spot there and the camera may make the shutter speed too slow or even too fast. You've seen those images of, of uh, a race car or a horse and the background's all nice and blurry, but the, the thing in the middle is, is beautiful and sharp. Well, if you're in aperture priority mode and you shoot that, the camera doesn't know you want to make that artistic choice of having the background blurry. The camera thinks you want it all in focus or all at the same shutter speed. So you can't get that effect with aperture priority mode. You have to learn how that works in shutter priority mode. Um, if you want to get a picture of hummingbirds, you want to set your shutter speed to be very, very fast because the hummingbirds are moving very, very fast. So your shutter speed becomes um, a relationship between how fast the thing is moving. So if it's a little kid just walking towards you, you can have a fairly slow shutter speed. If it's a horse running towards you, you need a really fast shutter speed. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. The faster the thing is moving, the more shutter speed you need. Well, I just have to think about now <clears throat> the concept of the shutter speed being in relation to movement. That's right. And not just light. Exactly. So, yeah. Aperture yeah. controls depth of field. Oh, yes. Shutter yes. controls movement. Yes. And the capturing but of light. the movement. Yeah. Hmm. So that's why when we went and shot the waterfall, you didn't mess around with aperture. You were in shutter priority mode, and you change your shutter speed mm -hmm, to I make did. it slower or faster, depending on how much of the silky waterfall thing you want mm -hmm, to do, mm -hmm. because the water is moving. Mm. So keep that in mind. Is the thing I'm shooting moving? Then switch to shutter priority mode. And shutter priority mode works the same as aperture priority mode. That when you when you put, when you put your camera in S mode on Nikon's or TV mode on Canon's. You tell the camera, I'm going to control shutter speed. The camera goes, all right, fine, not a problem. I'll take care of aperture. I'll take care of exposure. I'll take care of ISO. I'll take care of all the other stuff. So it's the same as aperture priority mode in that you're controlling one aspect of the shot and telling the camera to control everything else. And like everything else, it takes practice. It takes practice to go out there. It takes seeing the light. That's the most important thing is when you get enough practice in you, you start looking and seeing light and realizing, okay, this is what I'm going to shoot. I'm going to shoot these trees, this sunlight, this time of night. Okay, aperture priority mode of this, and my shutter speed should be about there. And that happens automatically after, after practice. And a lot of shitty shots. That's the other thing, too, is you beat yourself up about getting ba taking bad pictures. But you don't. That's how you, that's how you, of course. That's how, that's how you get it. Yeah. You know, Kobe Bryant missed 8,000 free throws before he started being mm -hmm. good at shooting free throws. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Every photographer has taken 10,000 really shitty photos. Mm -hmm. It's what you learn from the shitty photos and what you learn going forward to make those photos better. Practice, practice, practice. I just said that to someone uh, uh, sent me out a, a tweet. Um, Time Wine says, uh, I'm enjoying the YML. I sympathize with Melissa's camera issues. I have read the manual and still have problems finding things. Also, why I love Olympus. If some other manufacturer put the aperture ring back in the lens where it belongs, I'd probably switch. I said, thanks. Reading the manual is just the first step. As I tell Melissa, practice, practice, practice the next three. Mm -hmm. So if, 
as he says, I've read the manual and still have problems finding things. It's because you read the manual and didn't practice what the manual said. Well, that's the hard part. Reading the manual is actually the easy part. <laughs> yeah. Reading the manual and then not doing anything for a month, of course you're going to forget mm-hmm. things. Just like we were in college. You know, you cram for the class the night before mm-hmm. and the day after the class. You didn't remember shit. Of course. You have to put it into function. You got you to put it into motion. You got to do mm-hmm. the things that it does. You sit there with your camera, read the manual, and the manual says, this does this. Really? Click, click. Okay. That's, that does mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And then you go and practice that thing. Mm-hmm. And Monty says reading and comprehension are totally different things. And they oh, are. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. They are. Absolutely. Folks, as always, I uh, love getting emails from you guys. So if you have any questions or comments about the Starting Point Photography segment, please send me emails. Is, uh, how's the competition going for the I'm April so Fool's? I hoping you wouldn't ask that. Damn it. <laughs> Scott Randall, the Long Island Macintosh user group, says, First, I vote no. April Fool's joke of Melissa. She's too sweet for that. Aww. Aww. You kiss ass. <laughs> um. Hi, Sean. He says, I have to say that it's a pleasure to hear the two of you so happy I can hear it in your voices. <laughs> but what's the vote so far? Oh, the, the vote in total? It's 15 to 10. For me? Yes. Come on. No. If you, if you vote for the joke. Everybody's being authentic. I'll videotape voting. it. I'll, 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 I'll tape it and show it to you. How's that? Any, everyone who votes, shush. This is, this is, this is my, my piece. Everyone who votes for the practical joke, I will I will set up a camera and show it to you guys. Only those who vote yes on the practical joke. That's not fair because now you're fair. because now you're providing incentives for people. You're lobbying the people. You're more than welcome to provide your incentives. It's your show. It's not mine. And you you're have sitting all right this there. There's a microphone. Here. There's a microphone right in front of you. You can go ahead make your case. I have nothing to offer exactly. other than deep exactly. gratitude for voting for me. And I want to thank everybody. See? I don't have to provide incentives, just gratitude. Want to hear something cool? Mac Man is on a plane right now. Yes, I know. It's, it's very cool. I didn't see where you, where are you going, Mac Man. He's leaving Iowa. Thank you, Monty. Thank you, Monty. I'm gonna one day. I'm gonna. Uh, Scott says... I want to weigh in on a couple of things. iPhone at the dinner table. I agree with Melissa on this one. Why not? Why, we try not to take our phone calls or dinners. Sorry. We try not to take phone calls or texts at dinner. Whatever it is can wait. This is family time. Homework. As a teacher, I still teach a college class now. I believe in homework, but not overdoing it. You kept saying extra learning, but to me, homework is to reinforce what was done in the classroom. In my high school chemistry and physics classes, I always give enough homework to reinforce a lesson, but not that much as to be too much of a burden. If every teacher gave them two hours of homework and they had five classes, they'd never get anything done. I always felt that 20 to 30 minutes per night would give them what they needed and they would still have time to do their other work. Also, you'd have to think that if the homework looks overwhelming, they may just avoid it. Anyway, my, my method must have worked because the large majority of my students always did well. The HomePod. Its main strength is great sound, so I wanted to just make it a regular Bluetooth speaker with a wired input if needed. There's no chance Apple would do that because... What the HomePod is now isn't what it's going to be in four years. Apple, that was the original thought for the HomePod, according to these stories that we read today, that it was going to be just a speaker, but they added Siri because they think they're going to do something in the future with it. 
He said, if you don't have Apple Music, that would make it easier to just play whatever music is on your device. Of course, you can do that via AirPlay, but why should a person pay for features they're not going to use? They can make two versions, one like the present one and one at a lower price, just Bluetooth the same audio quality. That might happen. I could definitely see Apple doing that. HomePod Lite that didn't have Siri. That just worked for those folks who was all I want. Uh, I got Siri on my phone. I don't need it on my damn no, speaker. No, I didn't even use Siri on my phone. Yeah, you did. It's very funny. <laughs> uh, the iPhone 10 to me, it's way too expensive, especially since the carriers no longer subsidize the purchase of smartphones. You can buy a MacBook Air for the same price as the iPhone 10, and it does a lot more and will last longer. So now I disagree with them. The, I, the, the MacBook Air doesn't do a lot more than the iPhone 10. I can't take pictures with, with with the MacBook Air. No. I can't do a lot of things I can do on the iPhone that I can't do on the MacBook Air. Mm-hmm. They're two completely different devices for different reasons. I, I understand your point. The MacBook Air for you is more capable than the iPhone, but I wouldn't make that point. Um, just traveling. It's a whole lot easier to take up an iPhone and, and read, a, read a magazine, read a tweet, than it would be to take my MacBook Air out while I was traveling. Mm-hmm. So for that, I'll definitely disagree with you on, on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's something else. Another email I got. Oh, Roddy, pause. Follow up. Um, thanks for reading my email about the earplugs. It sounded like you were referring to earphones. What I meant were the musician's earplugs from metamotic.com. Uh, I work at a theme park. I often need hearing protection, but I don't like wearing the foam ones anymore. You talked about the custom-molded earplugs a few years ago. Uh, if you hadn't talked about it, I would never have thought to see an audiologist or even knew they existed. I found my audiologist by a simple Google search, went to the closest one. He seemed to be a very good one. He charged me 150 bucks for the earplugs, but that included creating the mold. He even handled sending them in. I thought it would feel weird when I had the mold taken, but it wasn't. I found it very weird. I found it very squishy to have something. It just Because you can hear it. You hear the squishy. But, yeah, fine for you. Um... It just happened to be that the brand he ordered was Edemotic. I remember that was a brand you like. I kept my molds just in case, thankfully. Um, I already have tinnitus, so I wear them a lot because I don't want it getting worse. Maybe someday I'll get their earphones. I have a pair of Klipsch earphones that block sound extremely well, even though they aren't custom. Oh, yes, there's one more thing. I follow your Amazon link from yourmaclifeshow.com. Do you still get a kickback if I buy something that was already in my cart? I think so, Mon- I, 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 I think so, Roddy Paws. Um, if not, you can always dump it out of your cart and put it back in, but don't go to too much effort. I appreciate the thought. Uh, but I think that's how it, that how it's going to, it's going to work. I think I read this one last week. Maurice Kessler, don't prank your wife. Just don't. Melissa's too nice. Don't prank her. Thank you, Maurice. God, <laughs> I can't believe you got such a bunch of wimps. Just a bunch of wimps. You know, I'm really nice. And the yeah, other sure. end of it is that you're being not nice, like a jerk. <laughs> really? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say something, but that would make me a jerk. So I'm not yeah, right. To... Yeah. See, look at you. You're trying to stifle that, that. If you ever get the opportunity to fly an American airline, don't pick United. Did you hear this story? Dog dies on plane after flight attendant orders owner to place it in the overhead bin. Oh, my God. One of these I want to know is why the dog's owner didn't tell this stewardess, or sorry, this flight attendant, to go fuck themselves. 
The dog was already in an approved carrier. Yeah, yeah. You can't have them on there unless they're... You can't bring them on the plane unless they're in an approved carrier. No, no, And the approved carriers fit under the seat in front of you. Yes. So why the hell would the flight attendant ever tell someone, no, the dog's going to go in the overhead? Oh, my God. It's a puppy. And again, I'm sorry. I would tell the flight attendant to go fuck themselves. And the flight attendant said, well, we'll remove you from the plane. You go right ahead. Hmm. I'm not putting my dog in the overhead compartment. I put a baby up there first. I think it's where baby should go, as a matter of fact. But yeah, don't. I'm never going to fly United. Bizarrely enough, out of the 18 times that pets died in 2017, half of them were on United flights. Were they? That's odd. Last year, 18 animals died while being transported on United. There were six cases in all other U.S. carriers. I got that number wrong. Last year, 18 animals died while being transported on United. There were six on all other U.S. carriers combined. Don't fly United, kids. Mm. And you know what? Don't do something that the flight attendant tells you that's patently stupid. So what if they kick you off the flight? Then you've got a news story that you can complain about. Videotape that incident. Videotape them throwing you off the plane because you are you wouldn't put your dog in the overhead compartment? Good God. Well, the numbers now speak for themselves. It's not like people don't have ammunition to... Monty says, I hope this flight attendant gets fired and sued. This is terrible. I was surprised that we didn't immediately hear United Airlines say exactly that. That the flight attendant is being fired, has yeah, been have fired. Have they not made a statement? They have not made a statement about wow. that. Wow. They've said we take responsibility. It's our fault, which means there's a lawsuit coming in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. The woman had her two kids with her, too. <gasps> oh, my God. And you open the overhead compartment, and the that dog is, so is dead. That is so traumatic. Oh, my God. Oh. Mac Man, will the divorce hearing be live streamed, too? Why did he say that? We're not getting divorced. She's too sweet to divorce me. Too smart. Hey, by the way, folks. Too smart. Uh, too, did I say too smart? Yeah, no, that's, that, that that's definitely wrong. Uh, check this out. If, if you um, haven't had a chance, the uh, if, you, if you don't know, uh, the Bank of Canada, Canada's um, um, mint, is releasing a new $10 bill later this year. And this is, let me get this image up on the screen for you guys. This is the image of the new $10 bill. The lady on the cover is not the queen. She is Viola Diamond. Viola is from my hometown of Halifax, Nova Scotia. Everyone in Halifax, Nova Scotia knows Viola. She was basically our version of Rosa Parks. No. Viola Davis was... Rosa Parks was your version of of Viola Davis because Viola Davis did her sit-down thing, I think, seven years before Rosa Parks did in a movie theater. She wasn't allowed to sit in the white-only section of the movie theater. She did anyway, mm. and she was fined and arrested and all that kind of stuff. Mm. But what a cool-looking bill, first of all. First of all, the fact that it's vertical is really kind of cool. I'm very proud of us for doing that. For This this is a really neat design. Yeah. And, and secondly, um, they've got some really interesting things on the back. And I didn't notice this until someone pointed it out to me, but I don't know if I can zoom in on this. Oh, yeah, look at that. I can't. Right here, can I zoom? This section behind her head, that's Citadel Hill in Halifax, the highest point of land in the city. But this area here, that's where I grew up. That's kind of cool 
that the place where I grew up is on, on the money. It is. And that, that green square right there in the center, if it's if it's a scale, either that green square or probably this area here, is the apartment complex that I grew up on Garden Street. And I think to answer Monty's question, all of our money is plastic in Canada, yes, right? So it is. yes, it's plastic. It is all plastic. It's it's also weirdly plastic too. I I, I gotta say. It it's it feels really strange. Mm, it does. Uh but the other funny thing is was a bill printed in portrait mode. Yes. Down here on the bottom where it says spin, if you click this, 2010, remember this is, this is a bank website, the Bank of Canada. When you click that, this Bank of Canada inflation buster website pops up, and it's a game, and it's Space Invaders. <laughs> but how did you find that out? I didn't find out. I, I, uh, someone on, on, on the loop, um, the loop.com website, or loopinsight.com posted that. Hey, if you do this, this happens. Oh like, my gosh, I want to play. This, this is my. This is the country's bank. How cool is our country's bank that they would code this? <laughs> you know, some nerd coded Space Invaders in, in into this thing, which I thought was just hilarious <laughs> and kind of fun and kind of funny that they would do something like that. So, uh, but I'm very proud of of us for for doing that. The, the first uh, African American female on a bank note. I agree. It's very cool. Yeah, and I'm sure the queen won't mind either. I don't think she'll mind at all. Yeah. She, she's been on the money long enough. So. She has. Uh, I don't think that's it. I think that's it for this week's show. I want to say thanks very much, as always, to our good friend Jim Downpool of The Loop at loopinsight.com for joining us, even from Puerto Vallarta. Jim, thank you very much, buddy, for was doing he that. Drunk? Yes, he was. Oh, yes, he was. <laughs> uh, not not falling down drunk, but yeah, he was. he was tipsy. He was having a good time, but good for him. That's what you're supposed to be in Puerto Vallarta. I would be upset if he hadn't been a little tipsy. Um, well, thanks, Jim. Thanks, you guys, for listening. Thanks the lovely Melissa for being here. I said you're, thank you. You're welcome. Excuse me. Is supper ready? Your supper's ready. We've done ours. Um... There was something, there's something else. Shoot. There was, oh, oh uh, Vito Mori wanted me to remind you. I, I hate doing this, but Vito wanted to remind you. Don't forget, you can subscribe to Your Mac Life. It's a free podcast, but if you want to donate money to Your Mac Life, it's easy to do. You go to the website. On the left-hand side, there is a link to uh, PayPal, and you can donate or subscribe for 2 5 10 15 bucks a month, whatever you so choose. Uh, comes out of your PayPal account or comes out of your credit card. You can use either one to do that with. Uh, the money goes to the motorcycle, which we got on the road. <laughs> oh, it was the longest period of time I'd gone without riding since I started riding, since I had the bike. And it was all thanks to her. And you and I went riding and had fun. Yes. And not only that, Someone's thinking about getting a motorcycle license. Someone's thinking about buying a motorcycle. I suggested a scooter, and she said, "No, why not? Get a scooter? Why aren't you going to get a scooter? Because it's not sexy enough." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there, I said it. Vanity, it's thy out name there. is Vanity. Thy name is woman. It's going to be fun. It, it's and we've already been talking about it, and it's going to be it's going to be a wonderful experience for you. I think we're going to enjoy. Um, we're going to enjoy riding. We're going riding this weekend. Um, even if you don't get a motorcycle, I think we're going to have fun riding this summer. So. Oh, you're going to hang around even if I don't get a motorcycle? Yes, of course I will. Because you're hot. <laughs> I wouldn't have done it if you were not. Oh. Just saying. So shallow. <laughs> so, so shallow. Folks, as always, I've been Sean King, and she's been... What? Well, I you, am? Say, say your name. Melissa King. I've been Melissa King. I am Melissa King. 
You finished? Yep. And you've been listening to your Mac life. <laughs> See ya. <laughs>